0: Well, good morning, everybody. I'm really glad that you're here today for our last week in this series on the seven deadly sins. And uh, we wanted to bring that bumper back. We hadn't used it in the last couple of weeks. I remember the first week we used it, uh, someone said, are you trying to scare us with that bumper? (laughs) Well, we're trying to scare the hell right out of you, you know, you know, you never know. (laughs) I don't know. So there you go. So uh, we just wanted to use that again today as we wrap up the series. And I don't know about you, but David just really hit it on the head just now when he was talking about this series. I am so glad it's over. I mean, it'll be over at the end of the day. This has been ruthless. You know, I just can't tell you how many times every week I get to the message and I'm, oh, this is going to not be so much about me. And then it was over. I was all wrung out. You know, there's very little left of me at all. Uh, to do this. Whether I was speaking or not, I just can't believe how Uh, God used this series to speak to me. And so I'm glad there aren't 20 and we can stop with today as we talk about these. And then next week we begin a new series where we'll kind of change the pressure a little bit as we go forward. But I want to grab your notes, if you would, your message notes. They look like this and you'll be able to take some notes. You can grab your Bible as well so you can be ready for when we turn uh, in a minute to Matthew 25, a little bit later on in the time together. But what I ask you to do is at the top of the uh, message notes or on the screen, is the, our theme verse for this series, James 1 14 through 15. I'm just going to ask today, if one more time in this series, if we could read it together and let's read it out loud, okay? Ready go. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Therefore, the deadly sins. We're enticed. By our own desires. Temptation comes from within. I'm enticed by my own desires to get my needs met in ways that won't honor God. And as I give myself over to them again and again, it's going to lead me to death. Now, I just want to be clear we're talking probably about several kinds of death, but specifically two. One would be spiritual death, and so as I live a life of sin apart from God, it leads me to separation from Him, which leads me to spiritual death, but I just want also it leads us to personal death, is that as we give in to things that the Bible clearly say are not for our best interest and really aren't going to do us good in the long run, as we give into those, it leads us to kind of a personal death, and some of you could give testimonies about how it's relational death, physical death, emotional death, just different ways that you've given in and you've paid the price uh, for giving into these. And so as we start this series, I mean, in this series, we just need to know today's not about beating us up about some sin that we're given into, but it's about being free. You can be free. And that's what we're going to talk about as we look at this. Now, um, we have several books in our bookstore, and this will be the last week. They'll be front and center, kind of pastor section. And uh, just to help you, if you wanted to go deeper, learn more about the whole concept of the seven deadly sins or sin itself or breaking free and different things that you could look at. But one of the books is by C.S. Lewis, and it's called The Screwtape Letters. And this is basically a parody that C.S. Lewis wrote. And his whole idea was that you break Satan's will by making fun of him. You just make fun of him. So it's all about making fun of the way Satan might work is what the book's all about. And so it's about uh, Screwtape, Uncle Screwtape, and his minion, Wormwood, and it's their conversations about how they can take this man astray and lead him away from God, their enemy, uh, toward their camp and being like them. Now, what we want to do is we want to show you uh, our own parody on the Screwtape letters. It's a modern-day version of Uncle Screwtape and his minion, Wormwood, talking. Let's watch this.
1: Seriously, you really need to work on your entrances. What? And what the heaven are you wearing? What the heaven am I
0: wearing? Just trying to be like you, Big Daddy. Just trying to be like you.
1: You know what, next time Big Daddy might want to think about going a little bit more classy, a little bit more professional. Oh. Speaking of professional, what the heck happened? What? You had this guy in the bag and then you go all 86 Red Sox on me choke harder than Buckner. First of all, leave the Red Sox out of this. And I'm sorry it was my fault. I tried to get him drunk on the weekend. That didn't work. And then I tried to get the the hot girl at work, tried to entice him a little bit, and eh, she was a total bust, and instead of spending more time with her, he wants to be with his family now. So I suck. Aww. Yeah, you do. But listen, don't give up. You're young. Learn from the professional. You're going in too too hard. Can't just go in there crazy like a dragon with a hemorrhoid. You gotta be subtle. You know, kind of stealthy, like a like a line on the prowl. Yeah, like a line on the prowl. Just a metaphor, dude. Oh. You, you gotta mess with his head. You know, meet him halfway. Take the stuff that he thinks is good, and you know, just kinda twist a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. tweak it so he Are you even paying attention? Yeah, to yeah me? I'm paying attention. What do I always tell you? The safest path, path to hell, hell is a, a gradual, gradual one. Gradual one. I knew I was going to say that. You know what? I just need you to focus on three things, okay? Three. <laughs> yeah. Probably going to need to write this down. Oh, uh, gee, I didn't bring anything to write this. How did you... <sighs> yes. Number one, start with family. His wife, give her some headaches, you know, some long days, some whiny, cranky kids, telemarketers, that kind of stuff. That way, when he gets home, she's just exhausted. That way, his chances in the bedroom are (laughs) That way, when he goes to work, that other girl's gonna look a little bit more enticing. He's gonna stare longer, and bam! Mm. You make him feel guilty. Guilt. So guilty, in fact, that the next time she asks him to go to church, he will go. Won't go. Won't go. See? Secondly, uh, you said he likes to play with his kids. He's got kids? Uh, yeah. He's got three boys. Three. Don't need to work on that one. What you want to do there is get him focused on having the perfect family with the perfect kids. Biggest weapon there, get him focused on his uh, friends and neighbors and meeting up with their standards. Make their kids superstars. That way jealousy starts to creep in a little like the bit. the Exactly. Manning brother neighbors. And then uh his kids, Moranises. You know, just runny noses, bad at sports, yeah. just loses. Exactly. Yeah. Thirdly, you're gonna want to take that family thing and let it seep into work a little bit. He's gonna feel like he doesn't make enough, can't provide, so he's gonna need to get a raise and so he's gonna need to stay later and press the boss, yada yada yada. Then bingo bingo bombo. He's going to feel bad when he's at work because he's not at home. And then, vice versa, mm-hmm. he's not happy anywhere, anytime. Got it. Seriously? Sad face? That's your note for three? Well, I mean, you say he's never happy all the time, so it's the Sad face. You know what? I don't know why I even bother. You know what? Just try and be a little bit more subtle. You know, there's no room for... You know who, and he's focused on the everyday stuff. What?
0: Oh. No! Oh, here's a master. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that's just a funny example of how it does work in the spiritual realm. We get ideas, and we get pulled away, and we get enticed, and we give in to those desires. And as James said there, it leads to death. Now today we come to a sin that as a cursory glance, we could feel, or we may feel, this isn't our problem. In fact, when I was listing the sins that we're going to cover for our team as they were going to do all the graphics for this, I called it laziness. So you'll see laziness on the screens today as we go through this, as we talk about this particular sin. And it is true that what we're talking about today does include laziness, but it is so much more than that. So what we're going to do is we're going to back up today. I'm going to call it, as I go through this time together, sloth, which is what it was originally called, the sin of sloth. Now, chances are when you hear that word sloth, like me, an image comes to mind. And you think of a two-toed or a three-toed sloth. Something like this really cute creature right here. Uh, they originate in South America. You can see them in zoos as well. They live in trees and they rarely come down from the tree except around once a week that they would relieve themselves Then they'd come down from a tree at that point. When it moves, it moves so slow that it would take several hours to literally move just a few feet. Sloths are sluggish. They're inactive. They sleep somewhere between 15 and 20 hours a day. And so don't punch someone next to you and say, hey, you're a sloth. That why it's not going to work that way? And they rise in the afternoon is when they finally wake up to eat a few leaves that would be close enough that they wouldn't have to move very much to eat. They move so slowly. And I love this part. They move so slowly that they literally grow algae in their hair. They grow algae in their hair. Now, many of us like me, we may think that sloth means lazy, And I'll just say this right up front. Laziness is bad for you. I won't deny that. In fact, the the Bible has a lot to say about laziness. I put a verse there for you, Proverbs 13. It says this, lazy people want much, but get little. Those who work hard will prosper. See, what I discovered in the time that I was able to do the work uh, on this message, I discovered that sloth is much more than laziness. In fact, if we only call today about laziness, Some of you would say, this is not for me at all, if we simply called it laziness. We live in a stressed-out world. We live in a culture where many of us are running full speed ahead. There's nothing about us that's lazy, and we're burned out running as fast as we can. We're busy. Our calendars are full, maxed out, as full as they possibly can be. We manage our time to the nth degree. We're productive, and we use Facebook, and we use email, and we use Twitter so that we can communicate. Heaven forbid we'd have to talk to someone face to face; that would take too much time, and we have to do it this way so we can do it quicker. All designed to maximize the time that we have until we uh, we know we do look down here, multitasking, we do multitasking until that's just become normal for most of us as we live our lives. So as we look at that, we think that's what our many of us, the kind of life many of us live. We say, is this really relevant for today? Is this really relevant? Well, folks, here's what I discovered. I've discovered that just because you are productive doesn't mean you're not slothful. Just because you run at a fast pace doesn't mean you're not slothful. In fact, busyness can be a cover-up for slothfulness, as I just am busy. Sloth is not about speed. Sloth is about doing the right things. Sloth is really a different kind of sin than all the other sins that we've had in this series. You now think about the sins that we've had. We've talked about pride. We've talked about greed, anger, envy, lust, gluttony, all the different sins that we've talked about. Those are all sins of commission. Sins of commission. They, I commit the sin. I do the act. I commit the sin, and I receive guilt for committing the sin. I act in a certain way. They're all things the Bible says I should not do. Now, those of us who grew up in a church, we know all the things we're not supposed to do, right? We kind of got that one down. you got that figured out. Don't dance. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't chew or run around with girls that do, right? (laughs) Got that one down, okay? I told my son. That's his guidelines for his looking for his future wife right there. It's called holiness by subtraction. Holiness by subtraction. Take all the things out that shouldn't be in your life and then God's going to be pleased with you in some way. Now, of course, God does want us to be holy and God does give us this list. He does not want us to do these things, but there's a deeper level that the sin we're going to talk about today can take us to. Sloth, on the other hand, is what the Bible would call a sin of omission. It's a sin of omission. Sloth is when I don't act on what I know I'm supposed to do. I don't act on what I know I'm supposed to do. See, if we only focus on the things we're not supposed to do, the things that, that list of things that we're not supposed to do in order to gain approval from God or basically from religion in some way, it's possible, just possible, that we'll miss out on the life that God's called us to live, the thing that he really wants us to do, but we're too busy with all the things we're not trying to do. In fact, you can live your whole life Doing nothing wrong and still do nothing right that he's called you to do. You can live your whole life doing nothing wrong and you can do nothing right with your life. Now, well, here, I'm gonna, as, just as we've done in every one of these messages, we wanna define the sin. So here's, let's define sloth for us. And it's kind of a long definition. We have several blanks we're gonna fill in as we work through it. First is this sloth is indifference. It's indifference. You could describe it as apathy, it's indifference or apathy. And so basically I've numbed myself to the conditions around me that it, so that I'm not able to be sensitive to God's spirit any longer to me as he speaks to me. So I am indifferent. So I'm watching TV or I'm reading the news or a magazine and it's talking about let's just pick the rapes of women in Congo. And I'm reading about the rapes of women and young girls in the Congo. And I'm reading this or I'm watching on TV and my blood is just boiling. And I get all caught up in uh, the things that I'm feeling about that. And somebody has to do something about this. And then all of a sudden, American Idol comes on. And I flip over here and it's American Idol right now. Oh, hey, what's going on in American Idol? And as soon as American Idol's over, I've forgotten all about what I was so passionate about. We are distracted from the important by the unimportant in our world. And we're filling our lives with just stuff that's unimportant. And we focus on it and we make our lives around it and our schedules go around it. And yet the bottom line is those things are distracting us from the important things that God wants us to draw our attention to. We are indifferent and apathetic when it comes to listening to the things and being drawn to the sensitive things that God wants us to be about in life. So it's indifference to God. That's the list says. My soul, my neighbor, my neighbor, and my world. So I'm indifferent to all the important things that God would say are the, the things that God would say are important to me. And then here's what the rest of the definition that causes me to choose comfort over care. So I'm different, so it causes me to choose comfort over care. Now, the reason I use care is because the word sloth is translated sometimes in the Bible comes or comes from a Greek word called acedia and that means to not care, to not care. And so slossfulness means I don't care. And so because I don't care, I'm not going to act. And because I'm not acting, I'm choosing comfort over care. I'm choosing comfort over action. I'm choosing comfort over being involved. I'm choosing comfort over being, making a difference in some way. And so I'm choosing comfort over tackling and attacking with God the things that are offensive to Him. Let's go on the rest of the definition. It is the failure to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. There's a time factor, too. It's the failure to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Now, I've really struggled with this, to, uh, honestly, this week about, okay, Ron, when, is, when, is my, when are my actions or not actions of sin? When are my not actions of sin? And you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let God tell you, okay? I, I, I honestly, I'm just going to let God speak to you. His Holy Spirit's going to speak to all of us today. I know what he's shown me, and I'm not divulging it today, okay? Uh, I've been very real and raw in this series, but there's something very personal he's shown me. And so I'm not going to divulge it today. But I know because he was so kind to me that he'll be just as kind to you. And he's going to show you today the thing that he wants you to be aware of in your life, that you're not doing that he wants you to do. Now look at what James says, the the verse that John read to us just a few moments ago, uh, James 4, 17. In fact, let's read it out loud together like we did. Ready to go remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Now that makes a squirm, doesn't it? it makes a squirm. That's in the Bible, folks. That's what God says right there. It's a sin to know what to do and then not to do it. So here's what happens. Sloth comes to you and whispers in your mind, why bother? Who cares anyway? This is just some religious God deal. You know, who really cares? You know, you got to take care of yourself. You know, you need to be doing this. You know, oh, you got to be involved. Oh, if you do that, if you get involved, you're not going to be able to help. You're not going to be able to have what you want to have. And so you need to go further. Who really cares? You know, who really cares about this? And so sloth whispers to you so that you no longer care about the things that are important to God. Sloth whispers to you and says, there's no urgency. There's no urgency. I mean, there's just none at all. So, you know, whether you act today, whether you act tomorrow, you can act any time, but there's really no urgency. So don't get all hot and bothered about this. Don't get all, you know, worked up about this. Don't stew over this because there's really no urgency. So sloth would say, hey, just lean back. You know, you don't have to do anything. Sloth would say, hey, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. Hey, gosh, you know, look at what you could do today for yourself. You know, if you do this, you're going to miss out on this event. You're going to miss out on this you know, experience, you're going to miss out on this moment. If you did that, you're going to miss out because there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow to do the things that, you're, that you know that God's called you to do. So why do it today? And then sloth also says to you, just live with it just live with it. You know, everybody else is living with it. You don't see other people up in arms about this. You don't see other people taking steps. They're just living with it. And look at all they you know, they get to do and how much fun they're having. So you should just live with it too. Sloth whispers all those things to us to try to keep us from acting. Sloth is doing nothing when we should be doing something. It's doing nothing when we should be doing something. Now, you've probably heard this quote, and I think it fits very well is in this place right here. All that is needed For evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing, just to do nothing. Now, based upon this, I am guilty of the sin of sloth. Based upon this, I'm guilty of the sin of sloth. How many times do I not do? How many times do I not do what I know that God has spoken to me simply because it's not convenient or easy, because I want comfort in that moment? So I just think about those areas of indifference that we list, you know, that, you know, with God. Where are you being indifferent with God? What do you know that God's called you to do that you're not doing with Him? For some of you, it may just be saying yes to Jesus the first time. That you know that you've, you've heard about Jesus, you know about Him. Now you've wanted to say yes, but you've not done it yet. Why not? And others of you, it's just in your relationship with Him. you surrender surrendered to Him. Am I going to be fully surrendered to Him? How about your own soul? Where are you being indifferent about your own soul, your work to make your soul grow so that it's passionately pursuing God and it's fully sold out to Him? Your own soul. How about your neighbors? Your neighbors includes a lot. It can your family. It can your work. It can the people who live next to you. The Bible says your neighbor is everyone who has a need. So what about that? What are you doing about your neighbors and then about your world? Some of us are called to a world cause, even beyond Grass Valley, Nevada County even beyond California. We're called to causes of injustice and poverty and brutality, and we're called to bring the light of Christ into those. And so we say, where am I being indifferent? Where am I not caring? Where God has said to me, I want you to care about this issue. Now, what happens is if I give in to slothfulness, it can damage me. Now, I'm going to give you four areas that it can damage you or that you can lose in when you're slothful. The first is it can cause Us not to be prepared. It can keep me from being prepared. And you're thinking, well, what does that mean, Ron? Well, here it is. If I continually go down the pathway of least resistance, I'm going to become weaker and weaker. If I continually go down the path of least resistance, I'm going to become weaker and weaker. If I'm going to run a marathon, which is a joke, but if I wanted to run a marathon, I would have to start what? breaking my muscles down and letting them grow back, expanding my lung capacity so that there's a time in my strength that I could actually run a marathon. I couldn't do it by just saying I'm going to step out there and do it today. And so as we step forward and we listen to God, what we're doing is we step out with him as we take risks, as we're being stretched. And as we're stressed, we're strengthened. And as we're strengthened, then when opportunity comes, we're more able to respond to that opportunity. But if we've been taken the slacker road and opportunity comes, then we're, you know, we don't have any strength. And we don't, can't do what God's placed in front of us. So it keeps us from being prepared. The second thing, it keeps us from making a difference. It keeps us from making a difference. I think, this is just my thought, Okay. I think the reason that we choose comfort over care, the reason that we give in so much to slothfulness in our world and our lives is that we underestimate how much our lives really matter. We're told we don't matter as human beings, right? But we underestimate how much our lives matter to God and to his kingdom and his work on this earth. I think we underestimate each one of us. Either we were given messages we didn't matter, or we believed the the, the lies that come at us that we don't matter, or we only matter if we're here, but we forget the fact that God made every one of us as a unique person and individual, and we matter in his kingdom. And so what happens is if we think we don't matter, we give ourselves to things of lesser value. We don't see ourselves as really mattering and tackling the things that would really matter and make a difference in someone else's life. And if I'm slothful, I'm going to lose the opportunity to make a difference. Third, I'm going to lose the opportunity to have a purpose. Keeps me from fulfilling my purpose. Now, God made each one of us to fulfill His purposes in this world. And if we live our lives simply believing that this life is all about us and what we can experience and what we can have what we can attain uh, as we're living for these moments right now, then we, can, we may miss out on the very reason, the very existence that God made us for. My guess is that if we really believe that we mattered, and if we really believe that God has a purpose for, that many of us would give ourselves to things that are more important in life, if we just realize those two things. By the way, this next series that we're starting uh, next week called The Real You, this is all about understanding God, and He made you to make a difference. He made you to have a purpose. He made you to fulfill His destiny. Your destiny is to work your, in His kingdom and life. It's going to be an awesome series. It's going to change the pressure a lot from where we've been, but also it's a great opportunity for you to invite your friends to come to hear what God says about how He made them and that He has a purpose for them. And then the last thing is this, the fourth thing, slothfulness keeps me from experiencing Abundance from experiencing abundance. Slothfulness blocks our pathway toward the abundant life that Jesus says he came to give us and offers us. It keeps us from experiencing the full life that Jesus made for us. You know, and I just got to say this right now, is that when I say abundance, and we're going to read the verse in a minute that talks about abundance I'm not talking about financial abundance. That's, most of us read that, those verses about abundance, and we're conditioned to think that means more money. In fact, you, won't, you'll, you, won't, you don't lack for you know, TV kinds of religious shows that you can turn on, and they all say that the sign of God's favor is money. And I just say that's just a bunch of bunk. And the sign of God's favor is abundance, but you measure it by money? then you have sorely overlooked what God wants to do in your life. He gives you abundance physically. He gives you abundance mentally. He gives you abundance emotionally. He gives you abundance spiritually. He gives you abundance relationally. He gives you abundance. But if I'm going to live a slothful light, I block the opportunity to experience the abundance He wants to give me. Look what Jesus says in John 10.10. 10 talking about this whole warfare that we're in, the thief, that's Satan. He says this, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them, us, a rich and a satisfying life. That would be of abundance. Now, turn your notes over, and I'm going to talk about the break-free ideas. Two break-free ideas that I want to give you today. Kind of comes from that whole definition that we just looked at a moment ago uh, that will help us as we can begin the process of breaking free from slothfulness. And the first one is this. If I'm going to break free, I need to care about God's purpose. I need to care about God's purpose. Remember, care means act on, be engaged in in some way. So I'm going to you know, let it motivate me the fact that God has a purpose for me. Everybody in here has been made by God for a purpose. Everybody in here has been given time, treasure, and talents. And God says, I give you these time, this time, this treasure, and these talents, and you are to steward them, that's your purpose, steward them for my glory. Not for yourself, but for my glory as you steward them. But that requires, if I'm going to be a steward, What that does is it requires that I'm going to care more than I want to be comfortable. It requires caring over comfort. It's much easier to choose comfort, folks. Much easier to choose that life of comfort than it is to care so deeply that I'm going to act on what I know he's called me to act on. So he's given us this time, treasure, and talents. Look at what 1 Corinthians says about being a manager. Now, a person who's put in charge as a manager must be, circle that word, what is it? Faithful, must be faithful. We are called to be faithful with what he has given us. We're to carry out his purposes for building his kingdom. I must be faithful with what Jesus has given me. Now, Jesus did a great job of telling a story, a parable, in Matthew 25. If you want to turn there, we're going to walk through this parable for just a few moments and talk about the parable of the talents is what it's called. So let me kind of set it up for you. You got three servants, and you have a master. And the master comes to his three servants, and he says to each one of the servants, I'm going to give you some of my resources to manage while I go away. And so he says to the first servant, I'm going to give you five bags of resource, whatever it was, five talents is what the Bible says. And I'm going to give you five bags. And it says that every one of those three servants got uh, the, the, the level of what they were giving was equivalent to how they had been gifted by God. And so this is I want to share this with you. If you look at other people and you think that they've been given more by God, it's simply because God gave them more to use for him. And it doesn't. if we get caught up in the comparison game, then we're going to lose the opportunity to take what God has given us. What God gave you is what he wanted you to have. Be happy with it. So he gave you this, and he wants you to use it. So he gave five to one, two to one, and one to another. Master goes away. Master comes back. Master comes for an accounting. Uh, The first servant comes in, the one that was given five bags, comes back in and says, Master, here's what I did with your five bags. I invested them, and I now have ten bags. Second one comes in, here's what I did with the two bags. Master, I invested what you gave me. I managed it well, and I now have four bags. The third servant comes in and says, Master, I didn't do a very good job, I guess, now I look at these other servants. I was fearful for how you might respond if I took a risk for you, and so I buried your one bag, but here it is, and you can have it. The one who was given one talent cared more for comfort than caring. And this is what happened. I'm going to read to you now. I'll put put the responses of the master to the servants on your notes there as we look at that. To the ones who did the... Good investment. The master responded this way. That would be to the five and two bagger. He says this the master was full of praise. Isn't that awesome? The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more opportunities. Let's party together. Because you have been so faithful. Remember it says in first Corinthians two, we must be faithful. And then here's what he says to the one bagger, the one that cared more for comfort than caring was more concerned with comfort than caring. And I didn't put this part on there. I'm really sorry I didn't, but he begins this way. You wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have in abundance. Remember that? If we... if we fight through slothfulness, we will be on the pathway to abundance. He's talking about it right here, pathway to abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. God calls us to live for more than ourselves in this life, every one of us. And I don't know how sobered you are when I read this, but I am incredibly sobered by this for my life and for your life as well because I don't think God's mincing around here. I think he's really serious as he gives as Jesus tells this parable. Sloth is the sin of unreached potential. The potential I could have had if I was willing to put caring before comfort and step out. It's the sin of unreached potential. And God's purpose is that we would take what we've been given, we would invest it for him and his kingdom that we would care. Second idea that's going to set us free is I must care about God's gift of today. I must care about God's gift of today. Folks, every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. Every moment is an opportunity. Now for me, I oftentimes struggle over this whole idea. And uh, and so... I don't know about you, but maybe if you're like me, I live a lot of time thinking about the past and, you know, feeling regretful or guilty or um, anxious or worrying about things that I did in the past, if only a lot, you know, I use if only a lot in my thinking. And that's not, I'm not saying that's a good thing to do, but that's where I get stuck. And the second thing I do oftentimes is I, I, I just jump all the way from there to here. And then I, if only about the future. And so I worry about the things that are coming, that, you know, what can I do? What can I do? You know, get all caught up in that, that anxiety over the things that are coming in the future. But here's what Jesus says. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own trouble. Today's trouble is enough for today. So he says, focus on today. So if I'm going to break free from slothfulness, I have to care about the purpose God's given me, and I have to manage and care about the time that he's given me as well. I have to see each day as a gift that God has given me, and he's put me in opportunities, and he's put me before people. He's given me these uh, situations where I'm able to reach in with his love, and I'm able to help someone else. You know, I just suggest to us that we would begin each day. i love that we're doing the Jabez prayer. You know, it starts with, God, bless me, show me, show me your blessings. The next line is, God, use me, use me. Just start every day that way. God, use me. Put me before people on this day. Help me to be sensitive to the ones you're putting before me, that I see them, that I'm able to respond as you want me to, and care, that I'll put caring over comfort with the people you put before me each and every day. Look at what Psalm 90 says. It says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Now I want to wrap up with this idea about making the most of every day. Uh, there's um, two ways that people struggle with regrets. Basically two uh, ways that we struggle with regret. First is, we have regret over our actions in the past. So we have regret over our actions in the past. So basically we're saying, if only I had not done this. So regret over actions in the past. If only... I hadn't lost my temper when the policeman pulled me over. (laughs) I regret that in the past. If only I hadn't eaten that last piece of cheesecake last night. If only, you know, that kind of thinking. If only I hadn't let my emotions get the best of me. If only if I hadn't made those choices. If only I would have, you know, not done this. So it's the regret of action. The second regret that we live with is the regret of inaction. It's the regret of inaction. If only... I had done this. If only I had done this. And these are are regrets over things that I wish I would have done. If only I would have worn my seatbelt. If only I would have checked my oil, my house. If only I would have listened to Terminex when they said that we had mold in our deck before I was eaten away. If only I would have taken better care of myself. If only I would have been more loving. If only I would have stayed in school. Now, here's the interesting thing that I want you to think about. Um, there's a book called If Only that I got this from as I was looking at this online. And here's, here's what the research shows. The research shows that the difference between which regret you focus on is time. It's time. In the short term, in the short term, people's regret is over an action that they did. In the short term, it's over an action that they did. But in the long term, When people look back over their lives, and as they get towards the end of life, their regrets are over not the things that they did, but the things they did not do. I had people in the lobby just hugging me and and just talking to me with tears in their eyes, saying that's exactly what I live with, is the regret over the thing I did not do. And the bottom line is this, is that we're not going to regret at the end of our life the mistakes that we made as much as we're going to regret the opportunities that we missed. And the sin of slothfulness causes us to miss the opportunities that will allow us to make a difference, to fulfill God's purposes, and to have a life of abundance as we look back on it at the end of our lives. That's what God wants, and that's what he gives to us. Let's pray together. As we come to our time of prayer, I, I kind of want to walk through the list we had earlier. And and if you just have your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a few seconds, and let me ask a little bit. Uh, the question I want to ask is, where is God calling you to take action? Where is God calling you to take action? And to think about the four categories. Is it with God? As I said earlier, it may be to say yes to Jesus Christ. It may be to surrender all of who you are to him. It may be one of the areas of sin that we've talked about in this series that you would say to him today that I'm going to surrender that to you and through your strength, we're going to break free together. How about your soul? It's going to be your time with him that he's, you know, you've been negligent with doing the things that will expand your soul's capacity to be in relationship with him. What about your neighbors? And neighbors can include family, workmates, those who live next door, as the Bible says, those who have a need. What neighbors have you been neglecting? And what about our world? Some of you, some of you have been given a world vision. You've been given a mission that's greater than Grass Valley, than Nevada County, than California. It's a mission to the world. And maybe even it's a mission to California, to Nevada County or Grass Valley, to uh, right injustice, to tackle poverty, to help those who have been abused and hurt, to lift up children. I'm not sure, but listen to God right now. What is it that God, where is it that He's calling you to care? God, I thank you so much that you want us to care, that you want us to care deeply And you want us to care deeply every day. And Lord, I pray today that you would help each of us to be solid in our commitment to you, that we want to end our lives, not with regret, but live our lives in the abundance that comes from memories of opportunities taken, where we put caring before comfort. And I thank you in advance for how you're going to work through us and in us And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.